When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Sunday evening, everybody, and welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind, VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to VolQuest on YouTube so you don't miss anything. And new subscriber deal happening right now, but hey, in a couple hours, it's going to be gone. $4, okay, or, or $10 for four months, new subscriber deal happening for VolQuest.com just for today. So go ahead and take advantage of it. Sign up today. Go to VolQuest.com and join our family. I'm Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hobbs, Rocky Top Rewind. Brent, it's been something fun we've done for the uh, last several months this academic year and look forward to doing it in the fall, but this is the swan song here for this academic year. Yeah, we're going to take a little break uh, for, from this show for, for the next uh, couple of months, and um, we'll be back with you to get you ready for fall camp, get you ready for uh, the start of the season. So jump on in here with a comment or question tonight. We'll get to as many of those as we can. This show has been well-received, and, and people have been terrific, and we appreciate everybody that has watched and supported. We're not going away. It's not over, that type of deal. Um, you know. But we're going to take a little break with things slowing down and not a lot of things going on right now. Uh, obviously, we're going to give you the latest in recruiting all the time, so we may not do a formal rewind on Sunday night, but you're not going to miss out on anything like that. Uh, we'll continue to recap weekends with um, – message board posts, two-minute drills, and all those things. So jump on in here with any comment that you have tonight, and, and don't forget, we will be back with this show. It's, not, again, not going away. We'll be back with this show in the fall. It'll be hopefully bigger and better than it's been this fall. This was a – this was a let's give it a shot and see what happens, Eric, and it's turned into about seven months of doing a show here, and uh, we've had a good time doing it. A lot of great guests, and uh, we hope to bring you plenty of great guests coming up uh, – Back uh, late summer, early fall, we get this thing started and get ready for the 23 football season. So jump on in here tonight. Any question you got, we'll be more than happy to try to get to those here as we uh, finish out um, th this edition. I guess epi season one, is that what we yeah. call this? There you but, go. I don't know that we're going to do reruns in the summertime, but uh, we'll <laughs> come back with a better version of season two uh, shortly. So just stay with us. Yeah, I mean, this is my wheelhouse, right? I mean, I, I love doing this type of stuff, and we we've had a whole lot of fun doing it, so – We'll be back in August and be gearing up for football season. When we started doing this, by the way, Tennessee went 10 wins in the regular season. So, you know, are you it, taking it, credit for that? Is that what you're well, doing? If I'm taking the blame for the baseball team, I'm taking the credit for this and the football team. How's that? There you go. I, I like it. I like <laughs> it. Jump on. I tell you what, we're going to talk a lot about the spring game. I want to take your all's questions about the spring game, too. So if you're, if you're watching, uh, jump on in here with the questions. Let you guys dictate kind of what we talk about with the spring game. We, we were talking about this before the show started. You know, we, we see these guys, we cover practice. So I don't know exactly what all we were looking for in the spring game, right? Because some of those things are watered down. But for you guys as fans, a chance for you guys to see them yesterday. So jump on in here with your comment question, and, and Eric will take as many of those as we can take tonight. Grant Ramey going to hit the show and, and join us for a little bit to talk about 
some basketball and transfer portal. We can get uh, some football with him as well. Austin Price in the back half of the show here to talk about recruiting. Vols picking up a commitment today. Had a big recruiting weekend. So we're going to recap all that. Uh, but jump on in here with any question that you got. Let's just let's beat them around as best we can. How about that? Kind of like my golf game, Eric. We'll just beat them around <laughs> the best we can here a little bit. We'll, we'll do it. Let's start with David here. Do you guys think Nico looked like where he should be right now? And, yeah, I mean, I think that – everything that we saw from Saturday, you know, wasn't going to dictate that he had a good spring or a bad spring. And, and I thought that he did some really, really good things. He was eight of 16 throwing 112 yards thought, of course, the play we're all talking about is with him rolling out, directing traffic, throwing that dart down the sideline to Ethan Davis, where that's one play where you sit back and just say, okay, that's instincts. That's uh escapability. Another thing I was really impressed with his escapability, I thought was Really, really good. And, of course, you know, they weren't going to sack him or anything, but his ability to extend plays, get out of the pocket, all that type of stuff. Uh, Josh Hopple and Joey Halsley have said a couple of times this spring that they are impressed with his ability to process information and to take a lot at this early age. And you can see uh, a lot of good stuff from him. But also, you know, he, he makes some mistakes. He made a couple on Saturday. He's made some the past uh, month while they've been out there. I think that's a good start for Nico. And to answer your question, David, yeah, I think that he's kind of right where – the expectation was for him to be his first spring here at Tennessee, uh, showing a whole lot of promise, showing a whole lot of ability, but still knowing there's a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that impressed me the most about him that we did not get a chance, we don't get the chance to see in practice, okay? Because we see routes versus air. We see if he throws the ball high or if he's, you know, inaccurate and some of those types of things that as he continues to clean up his footwork. The one thing you can't see in practice is whether or not what kind of feel for the game he has. And what I mean by feel is, does he feel pressure? Does he have a pocket presence about him? Is everything just tuck and run when the first bit of pressure comes? Does he keep his eyes downfield? I, I like what he did yesterday, Eric, because I thought he slid in the pocket pretty well. I didn't think he was just looking to run. at the If the first read was not there, the first thing he thought was going to be not there, he, he just didn't tuck it and run. I thought he kept his eyes downfield. I think that you're right. He's got to clean some things up. It'll be a big offseason for him to do that. Uh, but there was nothing for me. There was nothing to walk out of that stadium yesterday where you went. This guy's this guy. You know, he's got miles to go and a chance to be able to help this team at some point or be special or whatever. I mean, he shows you enough to know that that he's got a chance to be a, a really really good college quarterback. Again, lots of things to clean up. But his feel for the game, his pocket presence, that's an instinctive thing, okay? That's yeah. hard to teach. Um, I, I'm, I've seen some quarterbacks come through here who didn't have that, um, and it took them a while to try to get somewhat get it to some degree. I thought he showed that well yesterday. Yep, yeah, couldn't agree more. Let's go to Glenn, Super Chat. Glenn, we appreciate that. And, of course, if you want to get a Super Chat, you get bumped to the front of the line. Glenn wants to know, the secondary really looked athletic. Do you see them making a big jump in 2023, Brent? This is something you actually commented on in the uh, post-game to uh, the uh, Craven Wings two-minute uh, two drill. There we go. I'll, I'll finally get it. Um, <laughs> and, and something that they looked a little bit more athletic. They looked a little bit more quicker yesterday. Bottom line is, I mean, just, just, look, at, just look at where you were. I mean, you were second to last in the SEC. You almost gave up 200 yards to the air every single game. Uh, that's only second to Vanderbilt. There's really only way to go up if you're the secondary, where the overall defense took a big step, in my opinion, last year. And look at the stats. I actually wrote a column about it earlier in the offseason. The secondary was lagging. I think from that perspective, of course, the secondary will take a jump. Also, you return a lot of guys who played last year. 
They need to play better. You also add to that group, Gay Judy Lawley. We saw him play a little yesterday, and Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews, John Slaughter, all those you know newcomers, those freshmen. And they add competition, and they add another element to where I think that Tennessee's kind of been lacking. And so I do think the secondary is going to take a step. I think Josh Heupel was really pleased with what he's seen from the secondary. Notes they have a long way to go, Brent. But also I do think that there's going to be a step from that secondary, and hopefully that will help the overall defense take another step in 2023. Well, they have to They have to be better if this defense is going to grow. Um, yeah. they, they do. They, they've got to play particularly better at the safety position, in my opinion. They've got to, they've got to play the middle of the field better. Uh, they obviously want and need to tighten up their coverage in order to do that. Some guys got to show up up front. Okay. That's the Joshua Josephs, James Pierce's, some of those guys off the edge getting to the quarterback. Uh, because if, if the corner doesn't believe that de- the defensive guys can get there or are going to get there, then he's going to protect himself. It's a natural instinct. So he's going to give a little more ground and, and get himself in, in a position that he shouldn't be in. So that front's got to get home to help the secondary. It's not just those guys. But to answer the question of Glenn, there's no no question they're more athletic. And we've been talking mm-hmm. about that since bowl practice. You, you, I mean, you look at Ricky Gibson, he's absolutely athletic. Jordan Matthews is absolutely ath- more John athletic. John Slaughter. John Slaughter. Um, you know, Danico more comfortable is more athletic, right? So I, I don't think there's any doubt that they are more athletic. I think the question is, what are the best five pieces? How do they mix them together? And then how much help do they get from the front so they can tighten up and play even tighter coverage and and play better than they should? It'll be a disappointment if this secondary does not take a good-sized step from last year to this year, bringing back what they're bringing back, Eric, and bringing in the new people that they're bringing in. I, I think it'll be a real disappointment if they don't take a step. Yep, and we'll have to see exactly what that looks like in fall camp. Heupel yesterday said they have a long way to go to figure some things out, but he does feel good about where they are and I feel better about where they were you know after leaving last season for sure solo question I can't find it but we'll get to it in a moment about right tackles but I do have one um that's asking about the most impressive wide receiver here from Chris most impressive wide receiver that played yesterday again you had Keaton who was out Brew McCoy who was out Squirrel White who returned punts but didn't play Dante Thornton who was dressed but didn't play and and that's kind of what Josh Hopple is saying that hey this wasn't like real football you know in this post game press conference because you couldn't sack the quarterback you didn't have all these you know, these weapons out there uh in saying that you had three scholarship guys and Nathan Leacock you had Chaz and Emrod and Caleb Webb who has always had a whole lot of ability his his two years his year and a half here on campus I, I thought he looked like the best wide receiver yesterday of course he had the big reception where he went up and made a heck of a catch down the sideline they rewarded him by throwing him a four yard a touchdown from Joe Milton. He was with the ones. I thought Caleb Webb looked really good yesterday. And, of course, some of those young guys that we never talk about that aren't on scholarship, I thought, performed pretty well as well. Well, I, you know, Caleb Webb, to me, was the story because I, you had not heard a whole lot about him this spring. I think Chaz Nimrod, the back half of spring, uh, has improved. He did not make, a, you know, much plays on Saturday. Caleb Webb made the big play that you're talking about. And, and you wonder what the, the, the long-term effect of that is. How much does that matter? Uh, I go back to Cedric Tillman. Uh, and, and he's often talked about a touchdown he had in the orange and white game to kind of give him some confidence and to give his teammates and coaches some confidence that he could play at this level. I'm not saying that one catch by Caleb Webb means that. Okay, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to imply that or, or suggest that or think that that's the case. That's that's too much to read into that. But he's a guy who's not found his footing. Caleb Webb, I don't think has found his footing. Maybe yesterday helps him find his footing. 
Eric and, and, and propels him into this off season. We'll, we'll see. Um, if I were him, I would take confidence from what happened yesterday. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just one catch, but he did it in front of a crowd. He made a heck of a play and you, you see where you can build and where you can go from there. So to me, he was the, um, he was the, I guess the best looking wide receiver in a very thin group of wide receivers. Now I, I will say this too. They involved Cam Seldon in the passing game more than I thought that oh, they yeah. would. And I think that is an intriguing, enticing part of this puzzle this offseason when you're when you're Joey Halsley and you're Josh Heupel, because now you've had him for 15 days. And so if you're Jerry Mack, if I'm Joey Halsley, I'm going to Jerry Mack and to Josh Heupel, and we're getting in the room and we're going, all right, guys, where is he as a running back? How well can he handle a workload of, of, of understanding the system and the offense, right? Where's he at? So I can start tinkering with maybe how we could use him in some different ways this fall. Can he handle some wide receiver stuff in this? Do we need to back it down and only make it about running back for him and limit some of that stuff? Or do we grow with some kind of package for him? I think that's going to be interesting to see where they think they are with him come middle of fall camp in, in terms of being a versatile weapon for them as opposed to just a backup running back. Hey, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch a lot of yesterday yet, but one of the first plays they ran was him in the slot and they threw him out there a little bubble screen. Yeah, and they did. I mean, you know, obviously that was something I'm sure they just probably put that one play in. Yeah. But, but what all can you build out of that? What can you grow out of that? Again, he was the, what, I mean, he had six catches. He was the leading receiver on the day for Tennessee. Again, a receiving core that was minus all of the real weapons that, that are going to play this fall. But he was involved there a little bit more than I thought he would be involved there. Now, the question is, is it easier to have him involved in the passing game and not ask him to do as much pass protection stuff, right? He's the check down. So if the, he's the hot read, so to speak, if there's a free blitzer, instead of him having to make sure he knows who he's blocking all the time, is that part of the answer? I don't know. Those are things that Josh Heupel, Joey Halsley, Jerry Mack, um, Glenn Ellerby, all those guys have to have conversation and we'll have conversations about throughout the summer and trying to mix and match their personnel. Should be interesting to watch. We're going to keep rolling through these questions. So with this being the last one, no timeouts unless the questions get slow. <laughs> we well, got Grant Ramey coming on. We're going to blow off the timeouts. This is like a Josh Heupel spring game. I we're love it. I love it. All right. <laughs> Robert wants to know how the depth is a right tackle. And depth, Brent, I would say is pretty good because – you essentially, you know, well, at points of time, right, who can play right tackle? I mean, who, who's who's realistically going over there? Yeah, Let's like play. like which which one's going to step up and play? So you got to find a starter, no doubt. You got to find a guy, but like in terms of experienced guys who have played this game, who have played in this system, you have that. So you're not starting from ground zero. I would I would say. So okay. are you done over there? Absolutely not. You still got to find a guy, and you you would prefer not to split that position like they did last year with left tackle, right? With Crawford and Mincy, you want one guy to run with it. And so that's the challenge. But if there is an injury or you need to split time there, you got Gerald Mincy mm -hmm. that played over 500 snaps last year, JJ Crawford, who played over 400 snaps, Dane Davis, who has played an awful lot. Now, what's behind those guys for the future? That's a question you need to, you need to recruit and develop, no doubt about it. You need to find a starter. But in terms of quality depth, I would say you feel good about your options. You just got to find the guy. Yeah, I mean, if John Campbell is your left tackle, and I think that's what we're we're assuming, and you're assuming in this yeah. in this narrative here of of laying out what it looks like, 
then, then you've got that there. Then you've got three guys that you're trying to find a right tackle out of. And, and, and obviously out of those three guys, one of them is going to be the backup left tackle as well. Um, and the question is going to be who, who is that right tackle? And, and, and for me, it's all about who embraces it, you know, who, who runs with it this summer. I mean, it, it's, I mean, if you, if you're going to fight that, right. If you're, if you're a guy who's fighting that, then I, I think that's a, I think that's a silly notion, by the way, I can need to turn my, my, my email notification off. I'm sorry for that <laughs> there. Um, I think you're making a mistake if you're like, well, I'm a left tackle only. I mean, that, you know, get on the field, go play. There's, there's a job available for you. And it, it doesn't feel like John Campbell's going to go to right tackle, right? It feels like he's locked in at left. That's where he's worked all year or all spring. So, so which one of those guys runs with it, right? I mean, how, how much can Dane Davis grow, you know, or, or is he kind of what you think he is and that's what he is. And, and then where is Gerald Mincy attacking it? Where is, is J.J. Crawford in attacking that right tackle position. I don't think Larry Johnson's going to be a factor there uh, at this point. I think he's got to lose weight and, and got a long ways to go to be a factor at right tackle right now. So it feels like it's those three. Dane Davis is the one with the upper hand because he's got the knowledge and the experience of playing there. But those other two guys have played a lot of football on the left side against a lot of high-quality competition. Embrace the move. One of them go win the right job. They played four tackles at the first two groups yesterday, and those guys were flip-flopping for the most part. John Campbell, I saw stay on the left side the entire time. And I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw Gerald Mincy stay on the right side the entire time. But Dane Davis and J.J. Crawford, they were flipping back and forth the entire time. So uh, that is good to see. It feels, Chris like, says, it feels like the two most athletic guys are Campbell and Mincy. If you could if you could get Mincy comfortable at right and get him you – know, get him completely bought in it right. I think if you're talking about being your most athletic line, you would think – I would think right now that feels like John Campbell left, Gerald Mincy right tackle. That's what it feels like to me, but we'll see what that looks like come August. Yeah, I mean, that was the, that, that was where you were going into last year too. It was – well, we know it looks the best on paper, right? Mm -hmm. It's can you get there. And right. that might be kind of where you are right now with Gerald Mincy – uh, as well uh we go chris thank you for the super chat uh, uh thanking us for answering your question appreciate that let's go to sammy uh sammy says he has a recruiting question we're going to pull that back out for awesome price here coming up in a moment but also do you think addison nichols will start at guard addison nichols got a whole lot of reps at center this spring especially when cooper mays was sidelined i think it was a let's prove that i can be the backup center that is number one priority and for all intents and purposes i think that he accomplished that now, his natural position so far at Tennessee has been guard. And I think he's gotten a little bit of reps at guard. But yesterday in the Orange and White game, he got a whole lot of run at guard. Cooper Mays, you know, went out. He slid down, went to center, and they brought in another guard. But he looked good at guard, and he is 100% going to be in that competition, along with Ollie Lane, who did not play yesterday, along with Jackson Lampley, along with Andre Keurig. But that's going to be, you know, right now, Brent, probably a four-man race to see who can be that starting left guard. Yeah, and I think Addison Nichols, I think the center stuff for Addison Nichols was a huge win for him this spring. But because, Eric, that if you can, it's kind of like if you can play the slot receiver in this offense, you can play anywhere in, at the receiver position, right? Yeah. Because it's the most complex. I think for the offensive line, because of all the center has to do in terms of getting them lined up, play at the pace, and everything that you have to do, everybody's looking to you um, as the center it should make him a better guard because he's got a better understanding of what everybody's going and doing. So instead of being in a funnel at the guard spot, it's all about guard. He's got a much broader picture being a center 
because of all he's asked to do at the center position with protections, with with getting everybody lined up, finding the football, playing fast, all those things. That should translate to help him in that guard competition. And I'm with you. I think that is the guard competition uh, th- this fall, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I don't think Javante Spragan should sit around and, and you know, eat Twinkies and, and, and enjoy life and, and do nothing. But he's got the experience. I think we feel like he's going to be the starter at guard and the battle's over on the on that left side. And I think it'll be a four-man battle. And I think Addison Nichols is firmly going to be in the middle of that mix because I think he took a nice step this spring. I think Addison Nichols had a really good spring. I would echo that. And, and kind of like if you plug him in at center that you, that you feel really, really good about you know playing other places, just like plugging a guy in at slot receiver, you know he can play the outside. Hey, where's Dante Thornton practicing right now? Slot. Yeah, and, and again, that, that that's his natural position, and I think he can play that position. But also, you know, four best wide receivers, you know, two of those are slots, and so one of those guys can bump out, and it's not going to be a squirrel white. So, uh, looking forward to seeing that dynamic. Glenn says or asks, were you shocked by the attendance? Now, Tennessee announced it was fifty eight thousand four hundred something. It was the sixth largest attendance for a spring game uh, in UT history. That that is awesome. Um, from where they closed down the section of the north end zone because of construction, South boy, end. that place looked packed. It South looked end. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised at the environment for the spring game yesterday because, again, it's just a spring game, and it lasted an hour and a half. But you're coming off a team with a lot of momentum, a season of 11 wins, an Orange Bowl victory. I was still surprised it was that packed and there was that many people there. Yeah, I was too. Um, you know, and I didn't think the five dollar admission was going to scare people off. I didn't know how many would come because there's no autograph opportunities anymore uh, with with current players. And that when I was AP a kid, was given some, but that's about it. Right. When, when I was a kid, that was all that was all spring games were about. We're going to get autographs. That was the big draw and the big attention. But um, as Josh Heupel said, you're celebrating some guys yesterday. You're celebrating that team you hadn't had a real chance to be in front of. Um, there's a ton of momentum coming off of what had happened last year. And listen, there's enough people follow recruiting out there. We know this, that, that there's a lot of intrigue. When you bring in, you know, the number one ranked overall player, according to on three um, and, and a quarterback and Nico and Arian Carter, um, Cam Seldon, and a lot of names that people had talked about and had been written about, not just in the recruiting world, but people were writing about them during bowl practice because they were in practice that fans want to see what those guys look like. And, um, you know, it's a testament to the Tennessee fan base, how hungry they are for success, how much they are appreciating what Josh Heupel is doing for this program right now. And um, it was a terrific day. Yes. The South end zone was closed off because of renovations there, but um, both sides were packed and um, the North end zone was, was, was really good. I mean, it was a great, sh- it was a great show for recruits yesterday. Uh, it was a nice environment for a bunch of former players that came back. The weather was perfect. Um, it was set up very well for Tennessee yesterday, and the Tennessee fans did not shouldn't be a surprise to me. Delivered because of how loyal they are to this program and how loyal they are to Tennessee football. Fun day yesterday. Continue to get your questions in. We will answer them to the best of our abilities. Um, real quick, what what all uh, former players did you have a chance to talk to on the broadcast yesterday? I know there was probably about fifteen or twenty that were there. Well, there was a bunch of them there. There was about 15, there was about 30 on the sideline at one point, And then some of them went upstairs and, and hung out. I, I love the fact that the chancellor at the university basically turns her suite into a former player suite. I, I think that's a, I think that's an awesome thing that Dante Plowman does. Now she's in and out of that suite and 
works the crowd and everything else. But that's kind of become a former player suite for a lot of guys. You can go up there and hang out for a while. And uh, it's a really, really neat thing and, and shows how much she appreciates and respects athletics. Had a chance to visit with Juwan Jennings, Hendon Hooker. Um, great to see some of those guys. Had a chance. I didn't, we didn't interview him on the air. Didn't get a chance to. But I had a chance to catch up with A.J. Johnson, uh, Trey Smith, Alante Taylor, who was his – as proud as anybody I spoke with about where this Tennessee program is right now and the foundation he feels like he helped lay in, in year one with Josh Heupel. And, uh, you know, he talked about how much joy he had in watching that Alabama game to see a bunch of the guys he played with and lined up and went with every Saturday to have that opportunity to win that game. He was he was really, really excited for those guys. But it, it was great to see him. Cam, Cam Sutton was there. Um you know, a bunch of older players were there. Dan Williams was there. Uh, it, it was it was really cool to see a bunch of those guys who, who came back and, and was around. And Jakob Johnson, who's still hanging around in the National Football League, is maybe the league's only true fullback left. Um, he's a true throwback. He was who was not a fullback at Tennessee. Right, hadn't seen him in a long time. Cade Mays was there. It was cool. Um, that's one of my favorite things about the spring game is when a bunch of those guys come back and you get a chance to to talk to them. I probably missed more of the game live than I did watch it because I was sitting around catching up with some of those guys, which was really fun. Going to get a couple more here. Then we will grab a break before we get to Grant Ramey to talk a little hoops and then get his thoughts on the orange and white game. Brent says, Hey, this is going away for right now. You guys are my favorite show, Brent. We will be back. And of course, always stay tuned to ballquest.com for continual coverage there. But I appreciate that. Brent Sam says, isn't Addison Nichols being groomed as the backup center and future replacement for Mays? Backup center, yes. Future replacement for Mays, TBD. Um, this is actually a good conversation. We don't have to get into too deep into it right now, but say Nichols wins that starting guard spot. Say he plays; he's your starting guard this season. Mays leaves. He's an option to slide down and play center. But also, where's Vice and Lang right now? He's been getting some reps at center as well. Who else on this roster can snap the football? Is there somebody on this roster that can do that? That's that's not not being recruited right now. We just don't know right now, um, but that is something interesting. But I think all that has to do with Addison Nichols and kind of what he does this year. Well, and and what does that look like in fall in the fall season, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you, somebody's going to get a bunch of reps as a two or a scout team guy and those types of things. How, how does somebody develop? We'll just have to wait and see what a Bison Lang does from a development standpoint, and, and then you get into next year and what's your best combination of five. Right. Is Addison Nichols a, just a really good guard that you feel like you can't move? Or is he one of your, you know, to get your best five on the field and involves him at center? That's all for another year. He is definitely being groomed as the backup center right now because he's the most physically ready. He's more physically ready to play than Bison Lang is at this point. And, and they have been, they have groomed him um, this spring to try to be the backup center in, in case they have a need there. Now, you know, I'm not saying put Cooper Mays in bubble wrap, but you certainly don't want Cooper Mays to get hurt because it changes them. It changes the whole dynamic of that offense if the starting center is not on the field. So um, we'll have to wait and see. You know, that's kind of two separate questions. Back up for now, as you mentioned, we'll see if he's being groomed for the future. Depends on what some other development looks like there. I know we got to get a break. Let's go and get David's other question in here about yeah. Ethan Davis, if we can. Um, I was standing – about five feet from that collision yesterday when, when when Ethan Davis hit the ground. Landed on the shoulder, on the ground, he landed on with the shoulder that he had repaired, which was his right shoulder. That's what hit the ground first, and then the helmet went into the left side um, where, where he had the pain, and the trainers looked at him and immediately took him inside. 
the feeling and talking to people afterwards and talking to some people today, Eric, much more of a collarbone issue, not that not it's not the same type of injury that he had in high school where he had his labrum repaired and had had a pretty serious shoulder you know, surgery or shoulder procedure with a lengthy rehab. Don't think that's going to be the case here. He's obviously going to miss some time, which is unfortunate for him because he needs the weight room. We'll see when he can get back there, but it doesn't look like it's anything that's going to be super long-term in terms of a rehab to get back or anything like that. And that's great news because again, he, he looked good I, yesterday. He, yeah. he has been, people ask all the time, who, who's been your biggest surprise. Okay. For me personally, he's been the biggest surprise to me. That probably means my expectations weren't where they needed to be. I probably shortchanged him. He's bigger than I thought he would be. But he's a guy that's never blocked before. He's so. played, but, but he's played more mature. He's obviously athletic. We say, we see that in the way he catches the ball. The, the thing that's jumped out to me is how much bigger he's been. Um, now, he's got to get stronger, but but he's got more size about him. He's going to help this team this fall. I don't think he's going to be the inline guy that you block with, but it's a little bit like the Princeton fan, Jacob Warren, when they have both of those on the field at the same time. Fant was kind of the blocking guy, and Jacob Warren was kind of the guy who bounced outside and blocked outside and and was more in the passing route things with some of their sets. I can certainly see that out of Ethan Davis if he can stay healthy. I look at them, and it's hard for me not to say he's going to play tight end for this team this fall. If you asked me that the first of spring, I would have probably told you no. That's what I think of him after 15 days. Yep, he's looked good this spring. Hopefully he will uh, get back uh, into workouts and with the team sooner rather than later. Going to miss some time. It's unfortunate because uh, you 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 want to have productive off seasons. It felt like because of the injury he came in with, and now this, he might not uh, be as far along as you want him to. But uh, the fact that it's the collarbone and not a labrum that is a great sign, or the belief is, of course, that is a great sign for Ethan Davis and the University of Tennessee. Hey, we'll chat more of this orange and white game. We'll take more of your questions. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit with Grant Ramey when we come back. What's the latest in some official visitors Tennessee hosted via the transfer portal, Tennessee basketball, that and more of your question coming up next right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind here on a Sunday night, 8 to 9 o'clock. The last one here for season one, but we'll be back here in just a little bit. Uh, Don't forget a new subscriber deal happening right now. Go to VolQuest.com. If you are not a subscriber, $10 for four months. That deal is going to end in literally just a few hours. When today is gone, that deal is gone. So take advantage of it right now. A new subscriber deal uh, in, in response to the uh, the spring football game that's happening now at VolQuest.com. Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Let's bring on Grant Ramey. Who does a great job doing a little bit of everything for us at VolQuest.com and keeping tabs on the uh, basketball team. Go ahead and explain the hat for Brent Hubs before we uh, get down to the nitty-gritty. Is that a two hat? Huh? No, it's a it's 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 the feather from the the Hank Aaron uh, Braves uniforms back in the day. The, they wore it on the sleeve. If you remember okay. those uniforms. Okay, uh, if you say so. Was I, there a thought? I, 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 I promise. 
I thought you were going to tell me you had a uh, a flower making machine in the basement of your of your house there, and it was National no, so Steel Day or National Potato Baking Day or Potato Day. I wore I wore it one time, and somebody asked me if it was a Chevron hat. They thought I was repping a gas station. <laughs> so I get a lot of questions about it. Actually, it's a good hat. When Thank you picked you out that hat, did Brent come to mind though for real today? Of course, I've, I've bought three hats the other night. Don't tell my wife uh, with Brent in mind for future uh, Rocky Top Rewind appearances. <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right. Tell us a little bit about transfer portal news activities for Tennessee basketball this past weekend. Yeah, busy weekend. Uh, Harvard forward Chris Ledlam was here, Northern Colorado, uh, wing, guard, wing, whatever, big guard as he described himself. Dalton Connect was here. Uh, Dalton left Sunday morning uh, to go home. Chris Ledlam left Saturday evening to go straight to St. John's. Uh, he, he's visited Indiana. It's Indiana, Tennessee, it's St. John's, but it's really probably just Tennessee and Indiana at this point. I don't think that St. John visit is going to matter much. He's a Staten Island, New York guy. Um, he's a six-six forward, the kind of guy that you know Rick has had success with, with in the past. Um, and, and Indiana staff felt good about it coming off their visit. I think Tennessee staff feels good about it coming off their visit. So it's going to be a matter of uh, who's right and who's wrong. I think he is going to shut it down after this St. John's visit and make a dis, uh, decision from there. And with Don Connect, it's a guy that a lot of people want, a guy that averaged over 20 points a game, shot really well. Uh, average seven or so rebounds for Northern Colorado. He's got a pretty long list of schools after him. North Carolina, Oregon, Tennessee, Indiana as well. Uh, and Tennessee did a really good job to go from a Zoom on Tuesday thinking if we can get him on campus after this Zoom, we'll be in a pretty good place to, you know, be a legitimate contender for him. And they turn around, they get him on campus three days later for the Orange and White game weekend. So to get those guys at Neyland Stadium, 60,000 in the stands for, a, you know, a practice, I think that got their attention. Um, so it's just a matter of kind of, I don't know, will this New York flavor continue with the roster with, with Chris Ledlam? Uh, and, you know, you got Zakai, obviously, and you got um, Tobey with the, the Bronx and Queens and, you know, Staten Island and all that stuff. And then Ledlam, it's it's a little more spread out. Like, he, he, he doesn't have an official visit scheduled right now for whatever's next. He doesn't really have a timeline. He said he's just kind of taking his time with it and enjoying it. He's been to Oregon. He's been to Tennessee. And, and for right now, that's about it. Interesting um, to, to see kind of what happens and what goes from there. All right, two things I've got, Grant. One, Santi was at the orange and white game on, on Saturday. What does that mean? Secondly, what's next in the portal? I mean, I, you mentioned – I know things happen quickly. You know, Zoom to official visit in basically 72 hours. Is there anybody else kind of on the horizon for Tennessee from a visit standpoint that the, that they're getting deepers in deeper in the waters with? Start with Santi. Um, I don't know what it means. I wish I would have saw him. I wish I. I think they were. I think they were leaving about the time I came down the elevator uh, to go down for post game, and I was hoping to cross paths with him because I was going to tell him to do something like quit holding me hostage. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of answering questions about you. I think I continue to think. I think I said this on the podcast last week. The longer this draws out, the more it feels like Tennessee's going to find a way to get something done and get him back here. I don't know why. You would drag it out this long just to say, you know what, I'm going pro. I'm going to start my professional career. I'm going to, you know, turn the page and move on or do whatever. It feels like the longer it goes, Tennessee will find a way to get them back. And it feels like still to me, like we've said before, it feels like he's kind of the only legitimate, realistic possibility. I don't think Josiah will be back. Um, I'm, I feel like Julian Phillips will be back. So it feels like Santi is really the one guy they're waiting on. And Portal-wise, outside of Chris Ledlam and Dalton Connect, it's not a new name, but Jordan Ganey, the USC Upstate guard, the son of Tennessee associate head coach uh, Justin Ganey, I think he's a guy that 
the obvious connection is there. He's a guy that shoots it really well, shot almost 50% from the three-point line as a freshman at USC Upstate. Those numbers went down a little bit his sophomore year. Uh, Tennessee played USC Upstate when, when Jordan was a freshman uh, at Thompson Bowling. So that's a kind of obvious one. If, if he's moving on, then Tennessee would be a place that a lot of people would point him towards. But uh, we'll see what happens there. He's a shooter. He's a guy that I think Tennessee's coaching staff thinks they can help him a ton or they can help him. He could help them because he would play a, you know, a, a much different role than what he does at USC Upstate. He would not be the object of uh, other team scouting reports. Uh, he would have more opportunity, and, and you're obviously looking for those shooters. Hey, what did that tweet mean from Josiah this week? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It's it's vague tweet season, too. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just throwing stuff out there. Why didn't I right. see an article breaking that down? It's throw stuff out there. and, and You wrote an article happens. on everything. Why didn't we get one on that? Here's what I know about Josiah. I think he's in Miami training, so read into that, whatever that means. I don't know. I did not see him at the orange and white game. I saw a lot yeah, of players. He did, a, he did an ask me anything on uh, Instagram, maybe four or five days ago. And somebody asked him if he's going to run it back at Tennessee. And he just replied with a shrugging emoji or uh, something, uh, shrugging gif. I don't know. Uh, so whatever that means. <laughs> hey Grant, what did you uh, up there in the press box with me watching the orange and white game, the glorified practice, what were your big takeaways? What what did you walk away Neyland Stadium with yesterday, kind of thinking about the Tennessee football team? The crowd uh, was pretty amazing to me. Um, what was it, 58,000, something like that, six largest. I mean, and they didn't really even, you know, promote it a ton. It was just a spring game. It was going to happen at Saturday at 2.30. It's not like they went out of their way to try to fill the stadium. And to see that crowd show up, obviously the uh, south end zone being closed and that kind of compresses it a little bit, but I went down to my kids were there. I went down to see my kids right before kickoff and just trying to get through the crowds just to get to out to find a seat was crazy. Just trying to get through the concourses and, and up the steps and all that stuff. So I think it tells you if, if you win football games, people will show up. If you play an exciting brand of football, uh, even more so people will show up. Um, Cam, on the field, Cam Selden, obviously, uh, that uh, touchdown run is impressive. I agree with what you guys were talking about before the break on Ethan Davis, how impressive he's been. Uh, that throw Nico had rolling out to hit Ethan Davis uh, on the run, kind of putting it in a bucket right there where only Ethan can get it between two defenders. That was a very uh, impressive, mature, kind of beyond your ears uh, uh, throw. And the funny thing is it's, it's a Tennessee spring game where it feels like they score 60 points when they get out of bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and they they ended 17-14. So uh, I guess the running clock is the only thing that really – It was a condensed game, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would be like a Cam Selden touchdown with two and a half minutes left. All right, let's start the second quarter. Hey, so. they, they still ran 99 plays, so, like, they, they were getting some work done. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's just and, – and it feels like with Heupel and having the number of uh, former players there, it just feels like he hits a, the, a lot of the right buttons. And it's just um, – and, and you can't really overstate that. That's important to, to connect past generations the way he has the last couple of years to – it just seems like he hits all the right buttons and, you know, knock on wood for him. That continues because uh, what he's done is impressive and, and getting 58,000 for a spring game where you really don't have a ton of players even available uh, is very impressive. Real quick, Brent, sorry, let me jump in front of you. I want to, I want to put you on the spot. I, Brent did this to me in the Craven Wings two minute drill. What does Tennessee Handle need it better than Eric did? That's biggest true. priority for Tennessee football now with spring practice over go. Oh my gosh. Finding a way to make Joe Milton as much like Kenan Hooker as you possibly can. <laughs> because, because, 
because Hendon was like just the two years he had, it was like magic. And, and you're trying to, you're going to spend this entire summer and season trying to, you know, bottle that magic back up and have it with Joe Milton. And Joe says all the right things and he seems like a great leader and he's very polished and, you know, he stuck it out. He waited his turn. It's kind of like a storybook kind of situation here where, you know, he could have transferred like everybody in the world does. He didn't, he stuck it out and uh, you would hope for him to have some success, but at the same time, he's following a guy that, man, that's really tough to follow. It was interesting. I was interviewing Hendon um, and it didn't go exactly how I'd hoped that it would go. Cause I, I think he misunderstood me a little bit, but we started doing the interview and we were about 25 yards behind the offense. And I asked him, I said, all right, take everybody into the quarterback eyes right here. Take me into your head. Walk me through what's happening right now. And I wanted him to talk more about just the process of getting the next play. Okay. But it was, it ended up, it was on a quarterback um, design quarterback run with, Gadsden Moore and as Gadsden Moore took his basically a second step he's like quarterback draw here that's an automatic read because it's a it's a light front that this guy's moved here that guy's moved there and it was like an instantaneous answer and I was like oh okay so so <laughs> that makes a little bit of sense about why this thing operated at the pace with the fluidity that it did a year ago and, and I think, Grant, to your point, yeah, you want to get Joe Milton to be like that, but everybody has to realize it's not going to be like that. They're no. going to – I mean, there are going to be some bad plays. There are going to be some things where it doesn't operate as fast. It looks a little clunky. And, and people have – I think Hendon's going to be one of those guys when he's drafted, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go, wow, he, he, a lot of people really like him. He was good. And as years go by, there's going to be a lot of people who go, man, he was perfect for Josh Heupel's system. That was the absolute perfect marriage. And neither one of them saw it coming, Grant. I mean, no. they say whatever they want to. Neither one of them truly saw it coming. I mean, who knew in September 2021 when, when Hendon trod onto the field after Joe hurt his ankle against Pitt uh, in the second half, like what was ahead for And it's worth remembering that, there was a very wide open QB battle that fall camp, and they, this staff picked Joe Milton. They thought Joe was the guy, and, and Joe started that what was a Bowling Green game. He started the pit game, and he had that ankle injury, and Hinden came in and replaced him, and you know threw a pick in that game, and, and they lost it. But after that, it was you know it was kind of like instant magic, whatever they bottled. And, and no, Joe's not going to be that guy. Uh, I think it was good to see Joe have some three and outs and struggle a little bit in the Orange Bowl, and then to have some success and throw the touchdowns and do what he did in that game and, and kind of win on that stage to kind of jumpstart this whole thing. Uh, but I think that would be my biggest biggest project of the summer and into the fall camp is how can we get this offense to – it's going to miss a beat. It's going to miss some steps, but try to, try to miss as few you know steps as possible and, and try to keep this thing rolling. Grant, man, we appreciate it. Uh, you did much better than I did on the spot right there. That was a really, really good answer. Created conversation. You're a pro's pro. We say goodbye to you and we say hello to Austin Price here on the Rockets, I rewind. Uh, hey, Austin, hey, Grant gets a Grant gets a full B plus A on that answer. Eric, uh, incomplete. I mean, what are we going to give you for for yesterday's answer? Is that just a straight F, a D, an incomplete? Have you gone back and watched tape? What's your review? I mean, I think it's I think it's very much a pass. Uh, like if we're doing pass fail, okay. now it could be on the bottom end of that spectrum, but like. I think it's a pass, right? Maybe a C minus, maybe a D plus. That's passing. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Austin, 
A lot going on this weekend, but uh, obviously with the Orange and White game, I want to get your thoughts on that here in a moment. But Tennessee did pick up a commit earlier this afternoon. Who is that guy? Uh, Idris Farouk. And, uh, you know, safety prospect out of St. Francis up in Baltimore. Um, you know, a guy that likes contact, a hard hitter, a guy that can really run, and uh, someone that uh, William Martinez and Tim Banks have worked for a while, um, you know, and did a really nice job doing it. Now, back to what you guys were talking about just a second ago, when Hubs asked you the question, Hubs, now I want you to, I'm going to play that role of Eric. You ask me the question that you asked yesterday on the two minute drill. How'd I ask it, Eric? What's the number one priority for Tennessee now that spring practice is over? I think it was top two. Give me your top two priorities for this team yeah. uh, this summer. And this was Eric's reaction. <laughs> it was not a blank stare, AP. It wasn't that. No, I was. The lights hey, hey, went out. The lights went out. I was talking, but I wasn't making no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, it, I mean, we talked about a bunch of former players in town. Um, and wait a minute, was that a was that a commitment week? Is that what you just gave right there? No, my, my that a signing day week. I don't. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Let me go back to where we were at. Um, a bunch of former players in town, which is great. They also had a, a bunch of recruits. Give, give, who were the top three highlights? Who did Tennessee make a, a good impression with? What was who was the who were the most important guys that were here yesterday for Tennessee? Well, Kamarion Franklin uh, to me is the bell cow of all the visitors yesterday. Um, big defensive lineman from North Mississippi. Tennessee's in that one deep. Auburn, Texas A and M, Miami. Um, and then just your host of other big time bell cows, but, um, you know, really, really good looking prospect. Uh, someone Rodney Garner has coveted and recruited hard for, uh, well over a year. Um, you know, going to be back June 16th for an official visit. Feels like Tennessee's got a lot of momentum with him right now. I mean, the, the in-state schools are in it, but I think he prefers to get outside the state of Mississippi at this point. And, uh, you know, I know the recruiting prediction machine uh, has Tennessee favored. I think that's pretty accurate at this point. Um, not always accurate, but it's pretty accurate at this point in this recruitment. So um, kind of where we are with Kamarion Franklin. Peyton Lewis, running back, Salem, Virginia. thought Tennessee did a really nice job with him. He was uh, very complimentary as a uh, understatement. Uh, if you go and watch the uh, video on our YouTube channel uh, where we had a chance to catch up with him, uh, yesterday, and uh, you know, I, I'll go to Edwin Spillman with being number three. Um, the more you can get him on campus, the further you can get that one down the road to closing that one out. He's going to take officials to Ohio State, and Georgia, and some schools in the month of June, but I still have a hard time seeing him not ending up at Tennessee long term. And then Tennessee to have one official visitor, Emmanuel Okoye, um, you know, from NFL Academy. I didn't even know there was such a thing, did you? Um, over in London, England. And originally from Nigeria, so we'll be interested to see what uh, he says coming out of his official visit. Didn't Jakob Johnson play in that deal? I don't know. It was called NFL Academy. I, I don't know what that was called when he played it. I know Constantine Richmond didn't because he came over here and played as an exchange student. But I think Jakob played in some kind of similar. I think it was something similar. Yeah, but, but, way, like the, the the path is similar, right? Yeah, similar. To, but. But you're right. Yaka played in, in Jacksonville, right? Didn't he come out of Jacksonville, Florida, high school-wise, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, that's right. This is different. You're right. That's different. Um, 
Now, I, you know, J.J. Harrell was back in. I think anytime you can get him on campus, it's a good a, a good thing. Um, you know, Tennessee's had a nice little run of visitors the last week, week and a half. You go back, George McIntyre was in town. Um, you know, a, a little bit of juice in recruiting right now. Jeremiah's herd would be the other um, big target. And when I say big, he's literally big. He's six foot eight, 300 pounds, a defensive lineman, could be an offensive lineman long term. Um, but uh, someone that Tennessee has really uh, taken a liking to, big kid out of Georgia, and, uh, you know, has really been focused solely on basketball for years and years and years until everybody said, you're good at basketball, but you're not going to make money playing basketball. You're going to make money playing football. And all of a sudden, that becomes more of a realistic option. And, again, Tennessee has been after him. And, and, you know, I think that's much like Idris Farouk, who, you know, picked up offers from – Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and several northern schools plus some southern schools. He always knew Tennessee was right there for him because Tennessee was there from the beginning. Tennessee has been there from the beginning for Jeremiah's Hurd, and I think that's why you know Hurd is trending to Tennessee pretty heavily as we head into the mid part of April. And uh, I'd be surprised if we got to the first of May without him coming off the board. So, Austin, this has been a really important piece of recruiting this last you know five weeks, month, however long they've been doing spring practice, because you can get recruits on campus. They can sit in meetings. They can watch position drills. They can see firsthand, if you were to go to school here, what being a Tennessee ball is all about. Spring practice is over. What's next? We know officials are coming up in June, You know the commit month, the popular months up in July, but kind of what's next in this phase of the recruiting calendar? Well, you're looking at you know uh, coaches getting back out on the road, um, you know, for the next uh, month or so. And then, you know, they'll have the what was labeled Rocky Top of Palooza last year. Now, I'll be the first to say, I think it needs a rebrand. <laughs> I'm not crazy about the name. But, again, it, it, we'll see if it's still called that. But Rocky Top of Palooza, which will be Memorial Day weekend, um, you know, that will be coming up at the end of May. And then official vis- visits start in June um, for that month. And you're right. A lot of kids will take an official visit. The, the new thing is official visits in June, commits in July. And that's kind of the, the path that, that was last year. It's going to follow the similar path this year. And so I expect Tennessee to be very active in the month of June and uh, would expect uh, July to be a big month for not just Tennessee, but all schools, because I think a lot of these kids are just coming off the board then. Real quick before I want to get your thoughts on the orange and white game with the, uh, the the commit here this afternoon, Tennessee now has, I believe, nine commits for the class of 2024. Where do you like this class in terms of like progress reports? Um, how do you like this class? Where does it need to do some work? Obviously, you just have nine commits. You got a long way to go. But the, the foundation of this class, what do you like about it? Well, you've got a quarterback, and, and I love what Tennessee's doing in the secondary. Um I think they have to continue to hit the offensive line hard. They've added two the last couple of weeks, and, and Genther and, and Jesse Perry. Um, but I think Tennessee needs to add at least two more, if not three. Um, Tennessee will continue to work the secondary. I think they've got to work wide receiver. I think that's very, very important with the Wingos and Matthews and the Mari Jeffersons of the world. Um, you know, so I, you just kind of look at where they're at right now. Doing really solid is how I would portray this class. I know it's dropped ranked top 10 by on three. Um, but I think to take it over the top long term, you've got to land your fair share of battles for Mike Matthews, Wingo, Williams, uh, and I, again, I'm not going to pronounce. I got to figure that one out. Um, the top, the number number two number two player in the country. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you know, Jaden Riddell, 
Uh, it's it's interesting that that you know Missouri has become all of a sudden this like place for really good players and place for Tennessee to go recruit. Williams, right outside Kansas City. Jaden Riddell, right outside of Kansas City. Last class, you have Bradley, Kansas City, Ron Wingo, uh, you know, St. Louis. So, I mean. Wouldn't you expect that, though? Sorry to cut you off. Wouldn't you expect that, though, with the time Heupel and Ellerby spent there? Yeah, but I'm talking about just the top-end talent that's there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I, you know, yeah, I mean, you're right. You have some ties there. But, like, my, my point is more that there's, like, high-end talent there. And I'm not saying that there's not always been a few guys, but it just seems like some creme de la creme top players. Um, you're thinking about Jaden Riddell, number one tied in by on three in the country. You know, Williams, number two player in the country. You know, I mean, you, sh- you start, you know, looking at it, and it's it's pretty drastic. Hey, real quick, they're asking about Daniel Calhoun. I mean, Tennessee's in it. I, I still have a tough time seeing him not go to Georgia or Alabama long term. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely think Tennessee is uh, – you know, a, a factor. And again, it, I think it depends on the, the longer this thing goes. Maybe I think Tennessee's chances probably increase. Orange and white game. You, you had a field level view yesterday. Kind of what were your, some of your bigger takeaways who stood out for you in the orange and white game? Oh man. You know, <laughs> Cam Selden stood out. Uh, I thought Caleb Webb had a nice game. Um, you know, Deshaun Bishop stood out. It's really hard to get a feel for those type things because, you know, the plays that the coaches are calling or, you know, to give nothing away. I mean, you know as well as I do that, like, Ethan Davis, what happened to him there at the end is, is the the perfect scenario for coaches to be like, this is exactly why we just, you know, we, we set out Cooper Mays, we set out Jalen Wright, we set out Dante Thornton. Um you know, and I thought Ethan Davis had a nice day up until that point. So, um, you know, uh, there's some young guys that I thought were, uh, you know, impressive yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Gary, even though they didn't make necessarily make a lot of plays, but per se, according to the stat sheet, again, to me, it's, it was a, vital, a, value, a validation of what we've seen throughout spring with those young guys, right? Arian Carter, John Slaughter, we talked about in bowl practice. I thought he showed up, you know, yesterday and um, Christian Conyer, you know, bats a ball away that creates an interception. And it's just a validation that, that there's some young talent. Eric said it best AP on the two minute drill. You kind of walk away from that feeling yesterday that you're getting to, you're getting a chance to see some of the future of Tennessee. And that's what yesterday felt like more than maybe what does it look like for this fall, but it's, you know, how much does, does Deshaun Bishop or Cam Selden ha- help this fall? I don't know. But 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 there's nothing to say when you walked out of there yesterday. Those guys aren't going to be able to help Tennessee and be a part of Tennessee's future building. And I think that was probably the ultimate takeaway from yesterday. Everybody I know that went to a practice, attended a scrimmage or whatever all through spring kept coming, kept coming back to me going, just a different-looking group, man. Just a different-looking group. They just seem deeper. They're bigger. Like it just, you know – it just it feels it feels different and i'm like yeah you're right i'm like it doesn't necessarily mean that it correlates to more wins on the football field but it it, to me it sure correlates to being a deeper football team a more talented football team long term and you know you you take some of these players that were freshman a year ago the james pierce tyree west those guys we've said all spring hey for tennessee to take the next step those guys have to ascend 
then you need a, just a few of those freshmen to kind of play the role that West and those guys played a year ago. And all of a sudden you're building and you're stacking and, and you're getting uh, more competitive depth and just more depth in general. And so, you know, uh, this team just looks drastically different to me. And I, I really want to give credit to uh, Kurt Schmidt, the, the strength and conditioning coach. I think every strength and conditioning coach the last 15 years has been talked about, written about. Um, he kind of lives in this like, you know, Bermuda Triangle where like no one really talks a whole lot about him, man. And you look at some of the body transformations that uh, this team has had and, you know, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, the thing that I'll say about him too is I think he, because he and Josh Heupel have been around a lot, Austin, he has a huge voice within the program on how to manage things. And I, and I think Josh Heupel largely listens when Kurt Schmidt says, hey, we're best served if this guy gets a couple of days off here or – you know, these guys are running too much or this or that is happening or, hey, we need to go more. You know, we need to do more of this to be in better shape. I, I think he has that kind of voice within the program and that continuity is paying off for Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, I think if you, you know, the last 15 years, most fans knew who the strength coach is or was like. I think if you brought him out in the lineup, most Tennessee fans wouldn't be able to tell you. Even the diehards, the guys on the guys on Ball Quest, like I, those are the diehard fans that know people's faces. I don't think that they would know who he is. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that all. I don't know that all of us in the media would recognize him if he walked out. There, there. you go. <laughs> all right, closing closing remarks. Tennessee leaving spring football practice, heading into the next phase of the offseason. Um, again, we don't get to see everything, but from your vantage point, do you think that Tennessee you know, took took a step that it needed, or at least got a few of the questions maybe answered that they had going into spring? Now leaving spring, Brent, do you think Tennessee has a better idea of its football team? I think they have a better idea of that proverbial who's above the line and who's below the line, who they feel like is going to be able to contribute and help in some way, whether that's special teams, whether that's depth, whether that's push for uh, real playing time. I think they have a bet. I think they have a better idea of that. Um, but I also think that they probably know leaving spring practice how much work that, that there's still to be done. You know, they didn't expect answers to some of these questions, and they didn't get them, right? You didn't expect the answer at right tackle. You didn't expect um, the answer at guard and, and the in the secondary and some of those things. So no surprises there. I do think, though, that you walk away from this, Austin, if you're Josh Heupel and this coaching staff going – this guy's closer to being ready to help us than we thought, or this guy can definitely help us. I mentioned Ethan Davis. I'm not sure anybody thought Ethan Davis was going to, how much he would be ready to help this fall. I think leaving spring, if he can get healthy, you feel like he, he can help this fall, which I don't know that anybody said that for sure heading into spring practice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Dante Thornton, you know, he, he got back out there the last five or six practices before the orange and white game. I know he didn't go yesterday, but, uh, you know, continues to draw strong praise. Um, Ethan Davis draws strong praise. You know, the biggest questions are going to be up front. You know, can they figure out who their left guard is? Can they figure out who the right tackle is? If they can do those things in the next few months, then, you know, I think the offense will be just fine, and um, which is no shock at all, right? And then defensively, um, I just go back to the secondary, man. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like it looked like last year. 
you know, uh, that that that's more of a head scratcher to me. And if it looks different, then I think you'll have different results. That's just my opinion. We'll see what's in store. Tennessee fall camp will be in a couple months. Spring practice is done and over with. Now they'll hit the weight room. They'll finish out this semester and start this new phase of the offseason. And uh, we will take a break. And when the Tennessee comes back for fall camp around that time, we'll come back here with the Rocky Top Rewind. It's been a whole lot of fun the last, uh, this really this academic year, hanging out with you guys. And we look forward to doing it again. But you can always, always find us VolQuest.com and on the General's Quarters. And speaking of that, in honor of the spring game that just happened, it's a great new subscriber deal that's literally only going to be live for about three more hours. All right. It is $10 for four months. $10 for four months for new subscribers. That is at VolQuest.com. Take care of it here before the deal ends. For Awesome Price, who looks like he's about to go to sleep. <laughs> hey, what is Wayne Starnes going to do? That's my question. What are you going to do, Wayne? When you don't have Eric and Brent and Austin talking to you every Sunday night for the next few months, we'll be, be on back. the GQ, man. Enjoy the warm weather, everybody. We we might we might drop in for an occasional surprise pop up show. You never know how that's going to look. But I thought I thought uh, AP was getting ready to sing some uh, dandy Don Meredith there. A little turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> he was turning as he was turning his camera to black there. But again, I can't say it enough. You know, when we started this show, we weren't sure what it was going to be, right? I mean, we really didn't. And we would hope that it, that you guys would like it. We hope that we would be able to bring some different things to the table. We had the great fortune of doing that. And, and thanks to a bunch of former balls who joined us throughout the fall, um, you know, guys who were getting ready for the draft, joining us the last few weeks. And most importantly, thanks to everybody out there who's offered uh, questions and comments throughout the show. We've enjoyed it. And again, keep it where you got it. We'll be back sooner rather than later. I promise you that. He's Brent Hubbs, awesome price. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, and big thank you to Trey behind the scenes making all this happening. Good luck in your next venture. He is ditching us over on VolQuest, but we'll still be here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This has been the Rocky Top Rewind. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.